what is up, everybody? Uh, Zach Rosenblatt here, Mike K. We're at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What what the heck did we just watch? Like, you cover the freaking Jaguars. They, like, weird stuff. I'm, I'm so hard not to curse because there's so much, like, crazy stuff that happened tonight. I covered the University of Arizona. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff with injuries where, like, a lot of guys in one position go down. I've never seen the combination of, like, weird play, injuries, bad plays, great plays. Like, there's, like the players that would make a terrible play would also make an amazing play. Like, just everything that ha- – we have so much to talk about. But, like, have you ever covered a game that was as weird as this one? I don't think I've ever could describe a game as a Quentin Tarantino movie. But that's <laughs> basically what this was. A lot of violence, a lot of – a lot of losses. The body count was high. There were make, twists and make turns. Smell, yeah. I think Uma Thurman danced at one point. Like it, this was this was something else. Like I, I oh turned God. to one of the people from Eagles PR and I said, "I've never covered a game like this." I mean, you're, you know, look, I, I, I'm in my early 30s. It's not like I've been around the league for uh, back in my day. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yeah, I've covered some insane games in Jacksonville. This was something else. I mean, look. This is a team, and I'm getting a lot of trash on Twitter. By the way, it's my one-year anniversary on the yeah, beat. anniversary. And I'm getting killed um, <laughs> for apparent hot takes. This was a game that if they get down and they score in uh, at the end of the game, Carson Wentz, there's no argument. He's the most clutch guy. I mean, he, he's a clutch quarterback. I still think he's a clutch quarterback after we're, what we we're, saw. We're going to go deep on Carson Wentz and the struggles you've been going with. Right. But yeah, the, 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 that's the overlying. Right, but underlying I think this for game, this yeah. game, it, there's so much dichotomy in this entire game, right? Like yeah. you could say, you know, the first half was the worst first half of Carson Wentz's career. It was and then so you, bad. And then you could go on and say this fourth quarter might have been the best fourth quarter of his career. So... <laughs> But that was like that's that was like, the that's overarching. Like, that's like I was saying. Like, there's so many guys. Like, we'll go through some of them. There's so many guys that were just like awful, and then they would make an amazing play, and you're like, it's like they're reading our tweets or something. Like, <laughs> Nelson Aguilar was his own Doctor Seuss that, book. That, that, I don't know what. That was, the, that was the quickest one too. That yeah. was too quick. So we need to get through. Go to the craziest. Oh, so the final score is 24 to 20. By the way, Eagles lost. Which I predicted 24 20. The opposite. Though, the yeah. opposite. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Sorry. But nobody could have possibly predicted this game in no. any shape or form. Like no, even if somebody predicted the Falcons won 24 to 20, they don't deserve credit for it because like it's not. It's not like it, the score doesn't. The context mean matters. Yeah. Yes. But so the craziest thing we have to go through is the injuries because they are just just bonkers. It's so it started before the game. Dallas Goddard went through all of like the regular warm-ups. He went back into the locker room with the team. He, he came back out with, I believe, Zach Ertz and Mac Hollins. Because there's like video of them like getting all hyped up. And then shortly thereafter, I believe it was uh John Clark from Embassy Sports Philadelphia had video of him going back into the locker room with the trainer. So everybody's freaking out because like, did he get hurt? Like, what happened? As it turns out, and they took a while to tell us because, you know, why do anything timely? Um, he hurt his calf which he had already hurt during the preseason, and it cost him all the preseason and most of training camp. And so he was basically out before. He, they, they made it seem like he might get subbed in. Maybe he was there in case of emergency or something. I don't know. But he did not play. So that's before the game even starts. You lose one of your only two tight ends on the roster. So 12 personnel is out the window. I don't even think they used Andre Dillard as an extra tight end tonight, by the way. Uh, they, they did the tie. They, they did. He came in on, a, on one of the red zone plays. Yeah. 
but uh, but, but like we thought maybe they go to that more. They didn't really. Um, so okay, so that happens. Then the first half. So Carson Wentz gets hit pretty hard at one point uh, when he throws a really bad interception. Deion Jones hits him in the chest. Carson said he just got the wind knocked out of him. Maybe he was just saying that it didn't seem like that's all it was. He was pretty bad the rest of the half. Um, but part of that might be attributed to what happened next. So I believe it was towards the end of the first quarter when Alshon Jeffrey all of a sudden just wasn't in the game anymore. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew why. Uh, shortly after that, Sean Jackson left the game, went to the medical tent, went back into the, Well, first he jogged around on the side. Then he went back into the game. And then he left again, and he slammed his helmet down, and he didn't come back. He had a groin injury. Alshon Jeffrey had a calf injury. They were questionable return, and neither returned. Jason Kelsey left briefly at one point. Um, who else in the first half? Nelson Aguilar left for concussion protocol at one point in the first half. So did Sidney Jones. Sydney, was that first or I think it might have been third quarter. No, I think <laughs> it's, it all clumps it's, together. Yeah. Timmy Jernigan. Um, Timmy Jernigan, during halftime, apparently, was just, all of a sudden he was hurt. Nobody saw that happen. He hurt his foot and it didn't return. Uh, second half, Corey Clement in the third quarter has a terrible punt fumble where he did, looked like he just let go of kick the ball. Return. Kick, kick return. return. Sorry, yeah, kick return. Fumbled the ball away. The Falcons scored. And that, really, that there's a lot of plays you can point to, but that was a pretty – you know, that's not one that's being talked about that much. But if that doesn't happen, they might win this game, by the way. But he hurt his shoulder, and then he was in a sling in the locker room afterwards. So, did I hit everybody? I think yeah, that, I think you got everyone. Like, that's an insane laundry list. And the Eagles lost their two best receivers before halftime, before either of them had a single target. So, they were down to three receivers and one tight end the entire game. Mac Hollins played the most snaps of his career, for sure. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had to play a lot, and you could tell that there was like some communication issues, especially between Carson and J.J., which I understand was a rookie. They didn't plan to play him this much yet. Mac Hollins, you think about it, he didn't play at all in training camp. Like, So we, we both were critical of the way the Eagles played. There was a lot of bad things that happened, and I understand the injuries. There's other stuff that happened, but the injury part like certainly is a part of this. Like, sure. When you look back and evaluate this game, like they were in insane circumstances. Yeah, I mean, it, this was... You know, it's irrational to not. I think I give him a C. For, I gave Carson Wentz a C for the game. He, he bumped it up in the second half. Yeah, I mean the two turnovers were bad, um, and he was just terrible in the first half. Uh, but again, you also have to consider the what circumstances. Was oh, I gave him a C plus. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, and by the way, the offensive line was awful. Yeah, the, the offensive was line was awful. bad. This, I mean, look, this was not a good game. For, for anyone, really. For anyone, no yeah. one had a good game. There wasn't, you know... or No one had a great game, at least. Yeah, yeah I mean, look. If, if you wanted to say... If you just wanted to evaluate Carson Wentz's second half, Carson Wentz had probably a B-plus second half. Uh, if you wanted to evaluate his first half, I would have given him probably a D-minus. Uh, it was bad. And when you factor in his weapons... Listen, we book this group is one of the deepest weapon groups in the league. I mean, he's got a weapons gallery for days. But when you don't aren't able to game plan, yeah, it puts you at a disadvantage. Obviously, losing 12 personnel. I got into an argument with a media member that I will not mention on the podcast because I said when when Goddard's out, that automatically, ta- like, that limits you significantly in yeah. the passing game. And the argument against that was, well, you don't think they've thought about that when they only have two guys? Well, yeah, but what happens when the next shoe drops. It, it wasn't only that they lost Goddard, too. Right. They lost the other two guys. So right. So they like, removed any of their plans. Right. So when you set yourself up like that, it, it 
it hurts. I mean, so one, you're without 12 personnel, and then on top of that, you're losing your best two wide receivers. So you're thin already. Do I think it was a mistake to not bring up Alex Ellis? Would Alex Ellis have been talented enough to, to fill the void? No. Yeah. But he, he doesn't change this game for them. Right. It helps. But he is a guy to fill in 12 personnel, so you're not as one-dimensional and you don't just use 11 personnel throughout the game. It gives you a, a, other looks. He knows the playbook. He knows the offense. Whatever. So what I'll say is this. Carson Wentz willed this team in the fourth quarter. He deserves a ton of praise for that. He also deserves a ton of criticism for the the first half. I know everybody's going to say, well, what did you expect with Alshon and and Deshaun and Goddard out? That happens, man. Like that, I mean, those are astronomical, like, pre-game. extreme situation, for sure. They're extreme situations, but if you want to keep putting a guy in an elite box, you have to properly hold him to a higher standard. You know, I mean, he still had Zach Ertz, who's a Pro Bowl tight end. He still had Nelson Aguilar, who he has tons of chemistry with. He still had Darren Sproles, who's played with him his entire career. I mean, he still had his full offensive line outside of three snaps when Jason Peters went down. Like, at some point, Carson, who does elevate the talent around him, needed to do that. He just got off to a late start, and it's fair to criticize that. If... If everybody wants him, if everybody wants to say that he's above Dak Prescott, no question about it. He has to prove that he can do what Dak can't, which Dak can't play well when Ezekiel Elliott's not there, when Amari Cooper wasn't there, or when Des Bryant wasn't healthy. Carson Wentz lost all of his guys tonight, so you have to you, you have to bounce if you want to be elite. If you want to be Tom Brady level of quarterback, you know, I mean, Tom Brady's made a lot of bad receivers look good over the course of his career. So like, is Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Like, guys like that, you make the guys right. Like, this was a, a tough, tough situation. And you asked Carson a great question about, like, the, the conversations you have on – they have on the sideline when, you know, you're, all your plans are out the window. And you have two receivers in the game that probably shouldn't even be playing. So, like, how do you deal with that? Like, clearly, Carson was on a different page. And some of the decisions were just baffling still. You know, maybe there was some communi- – I think there was clearly some communication issues on a few – but the first interception was really bad, and the second one was just – it looked like he was targeting Desmond Trufant, who was like kneeled – I've never seen anything like – he was like – he had fallen or he something. He was falling backwards. He was fall- and he was kneeling on the ground, and it just went into his chest. Um, and those were really bad. But then, you know, like we were saying, like there's the dichotomy of – then you also saw some of the best throws he's ever made in his career. You know, the one um, to Mac Hollins where he was like being tackled. Mm-hmm. It was like a classic Carson Wentz play, and he completed 18-yard pass on fourth down. Um, it set it set them up to get into scoring range, and then he eventually closed it out with the one yard touchdown run, and then he did his first Gronk spike ever, and he almost fell. It was yeah, I thought of, he was gone. It was a I thought he of levity in a insane insane game. I the way he fell, I thought he injured himself. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Well, by the way, I don't think I think I forgot to mention that. So he did leave for concussion protocol in the first half. Yep. And he expressed some frustration about the way it was like handled. Not that it he happened, about but six more, plays. but because they made him wait. And then they made him go into the tent. So he, so Josh McCann came in. He did a pretty good job moving the offense, actually. And, the, the you know, <laughs> commenced the jokes of, like, as soon as he came in, it was like, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl now, aren't they? <laughs> but that's the thing, yeah. too, is, you know, Josh McCown works with the backup, so he had yeah, that's a good some, point, some, some knowledge of with the JJ guys. Yeah. Mac, yeah. But he did a good job of getting the ball out quickly. It wasn't like he struggled. And so I think like that's what you have to I'm not saying Josh McCown's no, better no, than no, Carson no. Wentz. I'm not saying that Well, he went and did his, did the job. Yeah, he did the job. And Carson took some time to do the job. 
And you know what? You can say... We'll talk about the defense in a second. Yeah. But everybody who watched this game knows that that 54-yard touchdown to Julio Jones is what clinched it for the, the Falcons. Maybe that's not the case if Carson Wentz doesn't throw an interception after getting good field position. Maybe that's... You know what I mean? Like, this is a team loss. And I, I think that when you're looking at team losses, you have to look at individuals and say, hey, you know what? Nelson Aguilar is getting killed for dropping that wide open pass down. The Understandably. Side. Understandably. He also made a great play on the ball. That's what you're saying. That's why this game is like insane to evaluate. Well, what's weird <laughs> is, is he had two moments like that. So he had the drop in the back of the end zone. I thought it was a little high to him when I yeah, first yeah. saw it live. And then he comes back and makes that great catch in the end zone uh, for the first For the touchdown, touchdown, yeah. That was a great throw, too. Right. I thought that was Wentz's best throw of the night, honestly. Third quarter, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. But then he does the same thing later on in the game. I think that speaks to his mental toughness. I think it speaks to Carson Wentz's leadership that he keeps going back to him. But, like, that happens. Zach Ertz is going to get killed for not gaining, like, three inches. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's... Zach, Zach Ertz... He handles, you know, losses and all that stuff as well as anyway. He was really emotional locker room. He, he like was like, I take full responsibility for it, and I, I feel like I let the team down. And there's, there's funny. There, everybody, there's nobody will say a bad thing on Eagles Twitter about Zach Ertz. Or the flip side, everybody is quick to be mad about Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. Um. But, um, you know, Zach, Zach Ertz. He he played a pretty good game. He was the only reliable target that Carson had in reality. Um. Because Nelson. Okay, we should talk about that drop, by the way. So, he was wide open. No, not wide open. He burned the corner that was covering him. I didn't see the corner that was covering I think the corner thought that he had It was on the Eagles, like, final drive. And it would have been a 60-yard touchdown if he catches it. And it went through his hands. He said, so he said, so somebody asked him, what, did, like, where, uh, were you blinded by the light? And he said, yes, but that's, that's not an excuse. We still practiced that. I still had to reel that in. Um, but he kept on, like, trying to move forward and not, like, talk about that catch. But... That that's kind of how he explained. What, what, that's one of the worst drops I've seen live. It was brutal. If I'm being honest, it was. Well, I, I covered the Jaguars, so I've seen a lot. <laughs> but of like, I, not only the thing itself, but like when it happened and the importance of it too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was brutal. And Zach sits next to me in the press box. He know, like, if I see something in advance, I'll call it. Or if I see like a guy wide open, I'll say wide open, whatever. But I remember saying. Like before, I saw Nelson streaking down the field, and I said, "Oh my God, he's wide open!" On the and money throw. On the money throw. That was a that. If that Carson connects, great that whole drive. Yeah, if that connects, you could argue that was the best throw he made all all game. But yeah, um, yeah, just a brutal drive. I mean, and Nelson has had those concentration errors in the past, um, and it's fair to criticize him. I mean, right? Like, it's fair to criticize him. I mean, yeah. I mean, Nelson drops were the biggest issue for him those first two years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if anybody you can believe is going to be good at, like, moving on from his struggles, it's him. And two plays later, Carson Wentz went right. I mean, I don't know if he had many other options, to be honest. But he went right to him. It was a really good catch. It was a really good throw. It was in coverage, 44 yards. Put them in position to get to the point where the Zach Ertz play happened on fourth down. Um, they, did, they didn't ultimately convert it. But, um so, so let's let's switch over to defense. Um, there's a lot. It's another thing where there's like so many like layers to talk about this because there's so much great, good, bad, and terrible that we saw out there. Like to start with the great, I thought 
until like a moment later in the game, Jim Schwartz was calling an awesome game. Yes. He like he was doing blitzes, which he, which kind of was an issue later with one of the plays, but um, he was calling blitzes, which he just doesn't, which fans are always calling him to do. Um, he was doing the sticks defense when he needed to, and it worked. I mean, they were they were they were in this game because the defense was shutting them down. They mm-hmm. had three interceptions: one Darby, one Jones, one Nate Gary, White Snake, <laughs> White Snake, who intercepted in the end zone and for some reason decided he wanted to try and run it out. Luckily, somebody tripped him up before he could do that. I was everybody's like, "What are you doing?" But it was it was a cool moment for him. Um, but so you have that, and then you have the flip side of that where. They played Ronald Darby way too much. He clearly is not like fully back. Yeah, Darby. So was, the Falcons were targeting him and targeting him. There was a stretch in the first half where three deep balls in a row where they targeted him, and two of them would have been touchdowns if Matt Ryan didn't overthrow him. And the third one was a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also he, it was less his fault on this one, but he was targeted on the one of the Julio Julio Jones touchdowns in the end zone mm-hmm. where it was kind of a long time, and but you still have to like yeah he they had all day that was a tougher there. one, but he still was but the point being he was covering him again. I don't he's he just should not have gotten those snaps. I I just didn't get it, and he did have the interception, but so I think that was a bad call by Jim Schwartz, and he deserves criticism for that. Yeah, sure. I mean Corey Unlin also and Corey Unlin too. I mean he he's a part of that. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, Darby, a knee injury's tough. And Darby's come back from an ACL injury very quickly. Um, that said, if he's going to be out there, you have to trust him. And he has to do the job. But he, like you said, he clearly doesn't. And the, look. And the Falcons knew it. Yeah. Oh, they, I mean, they did the right thing, They right? I mean, they targeted him downfield, and it worked. Darby was burned quite a bit in this game. And I think... You know, Rasul had some really nice moments against Julio, but he also had some blunders. Yeah. Sydney had some blunders. Uh, by the way, Sidney Jones, Ronald Darby, and Avante Maddox started a corner today. Yes, it, whereas uh, Rasul started last week. But they, right. they subbed quicker this time, though. Second right. quarter, I believe. Uh, Darby did a really good job on Julio. For most, uh, for, he had two pass breakups. That were I mean, Julio is going to get his. Yeah, I mean, that's just what the way it is. Um, and, you know... You talked about how blitzing kind of came back to bite yes. him later in the... So t- talk about the play where it really came back to bite so him. So it was, was it fourth and three? I'll pull it up. Just talk, talk about the play. I'll find what the situation um, is. So they went all out. I don't hate that call at all. Yeah. I mean, it's a risky call. Like, you know what you're yeah, going you, to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You don't think you're going to give up a 54-yard okay. touchdown. But, um, fourth quarter. They, oh, here we go. So it was... Fourth and three, Atlanta on their own forty-six. Um, doesn't say what how much time was left. Um, uh, I, when he scored, it was two ten left in the game. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, here two twenty. So they went all out blitz. Matt Ryan threw it short to left to Julio, who then took it all the way because there's no one to stop him. So I buy the logic of it because Matt Ryan had made several errors throwing the football. He had a bad, Matt Ryan looked really bad. Yeah, he was not very My good God. in this game. This is the second week in the in a row. Yeah, um, I lost it. I mean, look, millisecond later, if that throw is maybe a millisecond later, it's probably an incompletion or it's a tackle. It's just one of those things when you gamble like that. You're going to either 
Catching catching runs like that are tough to swallow. Yeah, I mean the tack the Eagles tackling, especially in the secondary, has been terrible. So there's another guy in the secondary we have to talk about. We both have been critical of him, and we still need to continue to be critical of him because he's just not a good football player. Listen, Greg James only played (laughs) one snap. Anderson Day helped. So on the Calvin Ridley touchdown, he did not help Ronald Darby at all. Yeah, I mean he's not athletic. He's not good in pass coverage. So he he's one of those guys where I said they had terrible plays and then would randomly have a good one. He had a really important sack. Um, in the fourth quarter, yeah, that forced the the Falcons to punt it. Um, and it's like, oh, Anderson Deho, he did something. Like, but it, cut him and keep the fourth. Just do it. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know who they put there. So I'm not going to give Zendejo a lot of credit for the sack. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it was the the play call. Yeah, they did a delayed blitz. He went yeah. up the middle. So that was Schwartz on that. Uh, I will say Zendejo ran it. Ryan like a bat out of hell like that was a that was a jarring well, hit well because that's what Sandejo's game is he has big hits and it kind of distracts you from that he's not right. good at anything else right you want to keep his feet on the ground <laughs> yeah. um but they don't play Cyprian at all yeah it's a very weird situation. why is he on the team I don't get it yeah I don't I don't understand if you kept him on the team to play I mean, special that's how teams. he really likes him as a guy I don't know well maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's that they want to see how Cyprian does for yeah. the first few weeks and then if he falters then you you handle that Oh, excuse me. It is uh, almost 2 a.m. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, (laughs) That's fine. But uh, We forgive you. It's your one-year anniversary. Yeah, the (laughs) one blitz that was very, very special. There was a blitz, um, I think it was in the third quarter. Malcolm Jenkins waited to, pre-snap, waited till the absolute last second and basically stunted and, and came around the corner through the middle, um, I guess that would have been against the right guard, and just went up the middle and sacked Matt Ryan. It was really impressive. Yeah, it, fine, or, or, well, he almost sacked Matt Ryan, but he forced an interception. Um, I think that was the Darby one. So, look, the good and the bad. I mean, I, I look, I think the secondary in this linebacker group is hit or miss. I think the defensive line has gotten a lot of pressure. They just haven't finished. Uh, Josh Sweat had, did some nice things. They played him inside a few times. And Vinny Curry did some nice things. Um, I guess they cut, I get, once Jernigan got hurt, maybe that's why it necessitated Sweat doing that. Honestly, we didn't realize that. Yeah, moment, that but yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder what they're going to do at defensive tackle now, by the way. <laughs> Akeem Spence got a few snaps. Again, like, this is not ideal. They're yeah. dealing with a ton of injuries right now. I don't really think they are that deep on the defensive line. Like, they have bodies, yeah. but I don't think they're as yeah, talented. Yeah, no, it's, it's an issue. Well, that's something I want to talk about. So, you talk about the wide receiver group and the tight end group, and you talk about the defensive line groups, and those are supposed to be the strengths, and those are supposed to be the deep groups. The issue is a lot of the deepness or the depth to that those groups is potential. So it, it to me, it, it's interesting when people say, oh, well, Carson didn't have any weapons. Oh, they don't have any depth on the defensive line. But in the same breath say, wow, there's a lot of talent there. I know. So I, I think it's like a justification thing. And I, I don't know if it's that we shouldn't laud these groups as much as we probably did. Yeah, I mean, everybody was hyping the depth as much as anything. Right. Well, when you look at other teams in the league, they don't have the bodies that can technically play or have the upside to play like the Eagles do. Yeah. And so, 
I don't know what the solution is. It's not a criticism of the players. It's not a criticism of the depth. It's I don't know where you go from here, what you need to do to correct it, because you can't just trade for a bunch of like star players. And some of these guys you've heavily invested in. So it's a matter of figuring out what you can do with the parts you have. And when you have the amount of injuries that the Eagles have, I don't know if any of these are long-term. Yeah, that's the tough part to look at. I mean, here's the thing. If Alshon Jeffrey is out, look, Deshaun Jackson was great week one. If Alshon Jeffrey is out for a prolonged period of time, that takes away a lot of advantage. Just based on, you know, this is just being a doctor in the locker room and looking at, you know, body language and how they're moving around. I would say... It was Deshaun had a tough time walking around, and Alshon seemed like he was walking around okay. So I, if my, just based like this is not, I have no information here. This is just I'm gonna try and research this and find out some more stuff tomorrow. But um, my guess would be Deshaun is less likely to pay than Alshon. That's a pure guess. So take with that what you will. We don't know how serious Dallas Goddard was serious enough that they. It seems like they knew right away that he wasn't gonna play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, they play a Detroit team next week that struggled to put up points. Luckily, it's a bad team. I don't think yeah. they're a very well-coached team. They won <laughs> today against the Chargers, who are my Super Bowl yeah. picks. Yeah, so the Chargers are banged up like the Eagles are. Right. They? So, look, this team has dealt with this type of adversity, like, countless times. <laughs> and they are mentally tough. The fact that they were still in this game when they should have been blown out probably by 30 points. says a lot about Doug. Yeah, I think it says a lot about Doug. I think Doug's play calling was medi- mediocre or awful, honestly, in the first quarter. I think the scripted... But, I, I mean, I, he, it was as tough for him as the players to figure out what they were going to do, though. You, you know? know what's interesting to me? Andy Reid, who Peterson's a disciple of, Andy Reid was so good at scripting plays. Oh, yeah, that, there's those slow starts still. Right. So, like, but that's the thing. Like, Andy Reid was known for the fast starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Doug struggles with that. So I'm wondering if that's the weakness. Because in-game, he's one of the better adjusters. Yeah, he's really good at adjusting, but he's adjusting to his mistakes in the beginning. Right. It's almost like, hey, let's stick It's good our... that he has that skill, by the way. But... Right. Let me stick my toe in the water to feel if it's cold or not. Oh, great. It's warm. I should probably... Oh, great. It's cold. I should probably turn the heater on. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like he tests things to see if they work. As opposed to knowing they're going to work. That seems to be what the issue, like, part of what the issue is. Like, they're, Doug said about Carson's struggles early on in the game. He said, I, I try to design plays to get the ball out quickly, and, and eventually you have to take shots downfield. Well, that's great, but then why not design plays initially that take advantage of your deep threats, take advantage of the fact that, you're going to have to throw downfield anyway. Why not take those shots early when you try to figure... I, it's great to establish a rhythm and everything, but if you can open up the game with a game-breaking play, it's called a game-breaking play for a reason. Yeah. So we have to try to look ahead here. It's hard just because we don't know the severity of these injuries. Mm-hmm. But So you have to factor in a few things. One, you have Kamugurje Hill and Nate Sudfeld still out. And, mm-hmm. and Sudfeld, even if it was healthy, wouldn't be active anyway. So that's one inactive guy already. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, Dallas Goddard, Sean Jackson, Timmy Jernigan, Corey Clement. <laughs> it's like five more guys. So that's all seven right there, like, realistically. So the question becomes, how many or any of them are injured enough to like not play for a while? So injured reserve possibility. Like maybe Clement 
after, like just looking at how he was in his uh, sling already. I don't know. That's just a pure guess. Like I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what they're gonna do with this roster now. Yeah, they, you have fifty three. Like spots. you need to bring up a tight end or a receiver, if not both. And you would think Greg Ward or Alex Ellis is on this roster this week. So who do you cut at that point? Because you can't cut Akeem Smith because you just lost Timmy Jernigan. Um, maybe you cut one of those safeties, Cyprian. Like I, I don't know where where you find the space. Yeah, I mean it's, they're in a weird spot right now. It's difficult. So they have a couple of superficial players on their or, or positions. So they have a, a, a they have a sixth defensive I guess end. They put, could put my lot on IR by the way. Yeah, they have a sixth defensive end. They have uh, ten offensive linemen. They have um, they have a fifth safety. Like and they have five linebackers too. So if Camus come back soon, maybe you. They still don't play LJ Ford on defense, by the way. Yeah, keep an eye on that. Yeah. Um, what was it? Um, Seriously. So, so maybe, so maybe like, uh, maybe like Sharif Miller stubs his toe this week or something. I think. Well, for one, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Jordan Milata is going to be on. I mean, it yeah, doesn't even seem like he's close to coming back. Yeah, so it's it's time. He's not going. You can't play him. The yeah. line was bad without him tonight. Well, and if he's having, if it's like a, not a severe, but if it's a lingering issue, you're better off kind of like preserving. Let it heal, yeah. Yeah, um, don't force it back. I mean, he's also a guy that's not as familiar with the game, so you don't want him to strain yeah. himself or whatever. Matt Pryor, I don't know what they see in him other than that he's big. And I'm not trying to criticize him. I'm just saying based on... You just literally don't know what they see yeah, in him. Yeah, I, I don't. Um... That's somebody who I could see them taking the risk of putting on the waiver wire. But by the way, speaking of Pryor, so he was inactive today, and there was a moment where Jason Kelsey, we didn't know if he was hurt or serious or not. So we're trying. So there was no obvious solution to how they solve that. So if I, Isaac Sayamalu moves to center, Vitae's never played left guard before. Mm-hmm. So who are you playing at left guard? There's no. They don't have anybody. Andre Dillard. Like I don't even know. I guess they would have put Vitae there, but you're yeah, playing the would. guy. So then you're getting worse at two positions, which is that one, like it wasn't a great position. So all of a sudden, this depth doesn't look as good as well. These in, yeah, these injuries, yeah. you know, create massive issues. You got two defensive ends on 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 the inactive list. You have three offensive linemen. Like at some point, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and they've prolonged those tough decisions. But I think, yeah, when you look at those extra offensive linemen, if you're not going to play Matt Pryor. If the plan is not to best case scenario, not to play Matt Pryor for sixteen then games, then why is he on the team? Yeah, right. Um, so, so okay, let's looking ahead. So, if you had to say like they, if there's a what are like the top three positions one through one to three that they need to address this week, whether it's via trade, free agent signing, or calling a guy from the practice squad. Okay. Um, tight end. But I don't know if Alex Ellis cuts it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's one of those. But I don't know who if there's really a guy on on yeah. the pre, in free agency. I know that's really, the tough position you're in. Or is Josh Perkins good enough to come up? Yeah, I don't clearly know. not. Yeah. Um, I think Alex Ellis will be the guy that gets elevated. Um, and then I think you know you look at well, they kind of need a receiver if uh, if Alshon, if Alshon and Deshaun are out, which we don't know. Like in in that scenario, they would kind of need to bring up Greg Ward. Yeah, I think Greg Ward would be the guy, unless it was Deshaun that went down. Yeah, and yeah. I could see them bringing can... up uh, Marcus Green. Uh, true. Yeah. Um, who is a really interesting cat. 
it was injured during the preseason, but didn't has, help them with the scouting enough today, I guess. I'm yeah, scared. clearly has really good speed. Yeah, um, he was a draft pick, wasn't he? Yep, sixth round pick of these Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but again, like I don't think anybody on the practice squad is sure. Fit. That's the thing. Like this, bringing these guys up doesn't mean they're going to actually help. Like they're on the practice squad for a reason, right? Yeah, Craig yeah. James played a whiff. Like uh, maybe two snaps on defense. Yeah. First two defensive snaps also, of his life. Also, they might have only three healthy running backs now. Well, that I'm not as worried. I know about. I'm not worried about it either because Sproles barely even played an offense today. Right, he didn't play till it actually mattered. The run, the running which backs, I, yeah. Which yeah. I thought it was important that he was in there when it mattered, but when you, yeah, I'm, so, I'm surprised they didn't use him more as like splitting him out wide or whatever. Right. Well, he played in the slot a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. like. By the way, so the running backs didn't put up great numbers. I would say a lot of that had to do with the blocking. There wasn't really much room to work with. Well, they didn't really go like they. And by the way, it seems like run. Jordan Howard sneak sneakily snuck in, sneakily snuck into being like the number one. Fans get mad about he's not getting the ball enough guy. Fans are getting really mad that he he had the same amount of carries as Sanders at like halftime, and everybody was self flipping out. I don't know what they thought he was going to do today. I mean, they were using him like he was Ronnie Brown. Um, he had a nice catch, actually. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> um... But so let's let's look ahead now. So what? How do you feel about this team now going into? I know the question of the injuries kind of makes it hard to even look ahead. But like, how are you feeling going into week three against the Lions? Look, they're going to be home. I think that game is going to be one of those ones where it's going to be close for a little while, and the Eagles separate themselves. I think Carson Wentz getting this time with those weapons for a whole week yeah. for a whole week could help. Um, I think it's a lesson in, hey, you have to prepare some of these guys for step-up opportunities. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside looked like he had never been on a football field. Matt Collins was, was okay. He was okay. He, he had was some, okay. he had some communication errors, too. He did, but he, he at least like knew where to be and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big key is this offense has become so good in 12 personnel, you have to be able to at least have that look. So you got to figure out the tight end position. Um and then I think from there, you have to look at the wide receiver. I mean, tight end wide receiver, that's going to be the thing. But I think they can win against the Lions with Zach Ertz, Nelson Aguilar, Darren Sproles, what have you. I think that that's doable. Yeah. Eventually, this team is going to have to establish the run in, like, in a major way. Like they really they've done haven't it, had it all in these, like, these first two weeks. Well, they got away from the run the first half. Yeah. and I mean, that's fine. Whatever. But... When you lose all your receivers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's because they probably thought they'd be too predictable if they uh, kept yeah. running, you know. Um, Although D- Doug tends to avoid the run in general when he can't. So. Yeah, well, that's an Andy Reid thing. Um, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but yeah, yeah. And nothing makes the Eagles fans more mad than when you don't run the football. Right. It's like the, the funniest dichotomy because most teams, most fan bases, you think they want them to pass the ball all the time, you know. <laughs> right. So well, I'll close it out with this because yeah. I feel like I'm talking in circles. Right, but... Carson Wentz needs to establish his chemistry with everybody. Like, this needs to be... Not like, just Zach Ertz, not just Deshaun Jackson, yeah. And he did a good job of spreading the ball in this game. I sh- you sh- we should give him credit. He, to, to all four receivers. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he had seven different targets, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and, you know, I think Nelson Aguilar sometimes struggles when the... He does really well when he doesn't have to be the guy. And I think when he becomes the guy, sometimes he gets either overexcited or he has those concentration issues. He's a guy that needs to be part of an offense and not be the offense. And I think if he gets a week under his belt of, hey, you know, 
I don't have to be the focal point, but I do need to step up my game. I think he can be successful. I think this Lions team, outside of Darius Slay and you know some other guys on on defense, they got Trey Flowers, right? Yeah, Trey Flowers is good. Yeah, uh, but like he's not like a game changer. In yeah. My opinion. So he's look. The Lions don't have a, a bad defense. They have a good defense, but I think the Eagles can make plays against them. I don't trust the Lions' offense. I don't think the Lions are very good, though. I've learned my lesson. I will no longer be predicting the Eagles to blow teams out because I'm just wrong every time. So. Oh, by the way, you know the whole reason all this happened is because <laughs> Zach had to, the Falcons. Call, yeah, had to call out the Falcons about the dirty their... bird. I was so if the Eagles what had, a lovely video. If the Eagles had won this game, I was literally just gonna like dramatically read the lyrics to this song, The Dirty Bird. And they played it during the game, by the way. And after that point, the Eagles started playing better. So it's it was a terrible song with the famous Atlanta rapper Bone Crusher, who did famously sang the song Never Scared from 2003. Remember that song? No. Oh, I, you, if you heard it, you, you would remember. It was a classic back then. But that was his like last, that was his last and only hit. I mean, maybe he's bigger in Atlanta now. Anyway, the point being, this is like, hype videos are almost never good, like when they come up with a song with them. And this was just like so corny. I mean, it was almost like they like were like, "Hey, look, here's an empty but, lot. Enjoy yourselves." Yeah. Like, so, so yeah. Well, the dancers like were just so bad <laughs> in the background, um, and they just got roasted like immediately on Twitter. They took it down within a couple hours, and like, for some reason, it was still showing up on my phone. So I did the Lord's work, recorded it, and then wrote down the lyrics. And it was one of my most well-received pieces I've ever written. <laughs> I don't know what that says about you. Anyway. Two in the morning, baby. Um, <laughs> we have just passed the two o'clock mark. Um, anyway, so happy anniversary, Mike. It's been great having you a part of the show. Oh, thank you. Just a part. Just, I, a, just a part. <laughs> uh, Co-host. What, what I will say is this. So my first game covering uh, this team was on the road a against loss. an NFC South team and a loss. And everyone panicked. The Eagles ended up turning things around and making the playoffs, getting a playoff win. I feel much better about this team than I did last year's team. Yeah. So let's see how far they can take it. I, I think this is a very talented team. I think they're a very flawed team, but a very talented one. More flawed than maybe anyone right. wanted to do admit. But talent typically wins out over your flaws when the flaws come early. Uh, this is this team's one and one. Frankly, the Falcons need this game way more than the Eagles. Yeah, if they go zero and two, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, especially well. That yeah. division's weird, actually. Well, <laughs> especially with Drew Brees. Yeah, so maybe if you go zero and two, you're okay in that division. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but look, yeah, the Cowboys are two and zero. Eagles schedule. are one and easy one. schedule. They have an easy schedule. I mean, they're starting off with the. They play another bad team. This uh, they play the Dolphins. Dolphins. So, yeah, God. so that's a win. Um, so that's well, that's part of the, so the Eagles can't really afford to fall in too big of a hole when you head into you know they have a stretch in the middle of the season that's pretty tough with well the road trips. i mean this next yeah. game against the lions that's a they have that's a need game like yeah. this game was for the falcons yeah. um and i know the eagles, if eagles fans want home field advantage the eagles want home field advantage but i think this is the type of team when you look at what they were able to do against the falcons with all that adversity that can win on the road as well so i i, I think this is a playoff team i don't i don't think any of us think any differently after that it's they got to recalibrate what's going on here they got to figure out how they can start off quickly because this has been a problem for 2 years like it's this isn't this is a tr this is not even just a trend anymore it's it's like 
a like curse. A curse. And a, yeah, I think that's fair. I think the only time they really started off fast was the Colts game week three last year. Yeah. So people still see, haven't seemed to learn that I'm sarcastic on Twitter. And so I tweeted jokingly that I think I'm, I haven't looked this up, but I'm pretty sure the last time they scored in the first quarter was 10 years ago. Everybody's like, no, they did it last year. <laughs> they did against the Colts. <laughs> but the point being, it, it feels like it's been forever. And for our own sake, it would be nice for the Eagles just to like come out and have a really good win. You know, we, not, yeah. we haven't had one of those in a long time. Maybe one or two of them since you've been on this beat, where they just like win a game like un- unquestionably, right? Like the Giants game, like the first Giants game last year, maybe. Yeah, the, yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, that, that like was we did. So twenty seventeen, they had it easy. They were blowing everybody out, like. Matt and uh, Elliot just they had the easiest life that year. I think, yeah, I think the Giants game and then the red the week yeah, seventeen the, the, yeah, game. Yeah. But that, that one, yeah, that, that story was filed by. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, we went through the third. Yeah, we were planning for the for the playoffs and all that. Yeah. Um. All right, but we'll end on that note. Uh, if you guys have made it this far, make sure you wish Mike a happy anniversary for the one year he's been with us. What a year! What, what a year! And it's only getting started for year two. Oh, I don't know geez. what I'm trying to say. It's really late. Okay. Um, thanks for listening. I'll uh, write comments on this, and we'll read your comments this week. We'll do our next pod probably on Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this crazy pod at the end of a crazy night. At the end of a crazy-